Welcome back to the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Now, in this episode, I am wicked excited to share with you a conversation that I had with Inner Circle member Parmjeet. Now, if you're in the Inner Circle and you're listening, you already know that Parmjeet is the nicest, the most kind, most generous person in the world. She has the biggest heart. Her laugh is infectious. If you're at the Inner Circle retreat last year, you know, like, she's, she's, she's incredible. In this conversation, we speak about Parmjeet's struggles with Hashimoto's and PCOS and a number of other things, and not only her struggles, but how she's been able to overcome them. One of the most common questions I get from people is how to be able to achieve your fitness goals if you have Hashimoto's, if you have PCOS, and Parmjeet is the prime example of someone who's been able to do that and continually works towards it. So I hope you enjoy the episode. If you have any questions, please let me know. And if you enjoy it, please leave a review on iTunes. They help a ton. Huge thank you to everyone who's done that so far. Really, it means a lot to me. And uh, that's it. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Jordan. Parmjeet. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I was actually, Rico was like, who are you doing a podcast with? I was like, with Parmjeet, he was like, oh, my God, she loves it when I say Parmesan in Italian. So Rico's got to come over. He's got to say it right now because I love it when he says it, too. Rico, say it. Parmigiano. <laughs> How are you, Parmjeet? I love it. <laughs> How are you? Is everything good? Oh, everything's awesome. Just wonderful. Can you what, see? You're the most positive person that I know. Every time, it's like, it's always like, everything is just wonderful. It is fantastic. There's never a time where you're like, you know, I'm going to be honest, uh, it sucks. Like, ever. You're always the person who's the most positive attitude. I love it. What's going on? What are you doing today? Well, I'm just working from home. And so that's why I just have my um, work laptop here, just in case if you hear some sounds, it's just my work laptop. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Perfect. Well, well. so listen, so actually, I don't even remember when the last time we got on a podcast was. It, it was definitely over a year ago. I think it must have been like close to a year and a half, two years ago. I think so, yeah. That is so crazy. I remember I did that podcast when I was like, in, I was traveling with Gary. It was crazy. I was like outside in a, in a uh, parking lot of a grocery store. And but it was one of my favorite podcasts that I've ever done, and I'm so excited to be on with you again. Um, I, I have to ask, do you do you have anything specifically that you would like to talk about? Oh, um, uh, um, well, actually, I, not nothing really specific, but kind of more um, maybe the mental side of um, fat loss journeys. Um, oh my maybe, god, absolutely! Of maybe course. mixed in with a little bit of. Um, um, kind of people who think that they're the exceptions to rules with all the various different kinds of hormonal issues. That I would absolutely love that. Let's do it. So talk to me. What are you thinking? What's going on in your mind? We'll just sort of jam out. Okay. Um, so what I was thinking was, um, so last year, was it last year? Okay. So first of all, Jordan, I have to say, I do apologize because I'm in a major mind fog, <laughs> brain fog. Um, I'm, I can't, uh, I have problems with word finding. I can't remember anything. I haven't slept for two weeks. <laughs> what? Why? What's going on? Um, I, well, I haven't slept properly for two weeks and I haven't slept properly because my husband, Nan, he's away in India having fun. And so <laughs> <laughs> my kids are in the bed with me and Arjun is, he's seven years old and he's like this heater and he's always close to me at night and I just can't, and he's tossing and turning. I can't sleep, so anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> so sorry. I, uh, so my I, timelines are a little bit vague, sorry. So please do not do not apologize at all. Like, I can't even imagine what that's like. It's, it's like basically torture. But, uh, like, don't worry. And, uh, listen, like, I, I'm just happy to be on the phone with you and to talk. So, like, don't feel any pressure. Like, we'll just we'll talk, and whatever I can help with, I will. Awesome. Awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, can you see me, Jordan? No, I cannot. Okay. Can I see you? No. <laughs> do, you wait, do you want me to turn the camera on? Just, no, I'm just wondering because I can't see you, and I'm just wondering, isn't that what Skype's about? Oh. <laughs> no, so we can do the audio version or just the video. Oh, the I see. Okay, okay, so this is good. 
this <laughs> usually the the video version sometimes it like uh it require i think it requires some more connection and sometimes when you have the video on it like will make it a little bit choppy so i always just go audio but uh oh, so we're only audio right now okay perfect um, so, so talk to me, what, what are you thinking? What's going on in your mind about like, about the, the mental side of things or the exceptions? Like just sort of like, give me, talk, talk to me about what's been going on and, and we'll go from there. Okay, sure. So, um, oh, also a little bit about personal resilience as well. So, um, I think it was, uh, last year, um, everything was going well. And then we decided to do a home renovation and we thought it would take two months and over the summer, so it was July 1st is when our um, rental started last year. And so we were living in this little room in my basement, all four of us. And the rental lasted like nine months and <laughs> major stress and all that kind of stuff. And then um, over that period of time, I um, became inconsistent with my workouts and with my nutrition and all that kind of stuff because of because of my choices I was making based on the stress that I was under. And um, so then I gained 25 pounds during that time. So, um, but since then, because I've been working more on the mental side, I'm able, I feel like, so anyway, I've, I've lost that weight now again. Oh, and, yeah. So, um, and I'm in a really positive space and my, um, my default is not negative anymore. My self-talk. It's um, like wow. some. I love that. Yeah, like sometimes it'll come and go in waves, but but for the most part, it's more positive. Instead of going to oh, you know, you you do this, you do this. So um, so that's changed, and that was just um, that's the reason why I wanted to talk about that part was just to say that when you do work on the mental side first, or I don't know if it's first or what if there's an order or not. But it definitely does impact then resilience in terms of when stresses do come up, you kind of, rather than falling into old ways, it kind of, you kind of progress a bit more or, or there's some growth that happens. I, I could not possibly agree more. I'm so happy that you brought this up. And I, I'm going to have a question for you in a second. But I want to say that like what you're explaining is something that I very much recently been a, learned learned how to articulate which basically and tell me if i'm wrong but i'm assuming what you're saying is when you work on the mental side of things and your default more regularly becomes i'm not saying always but more regularly becomes more positive and optimistic you end up becoming more resilient and you end up making more progress because when your default tends to be more negative you don't have a reason to actually get back on track and, and do what you want to do. But when it's more positive and optimistic, now you have a reason to get back on track and keep making progress. And so even when things might not be going very well, when your default tends to be something more optimistic, you have a reason to get back on track. And so you end up making more progress. Yes. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's so interesting. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up because I don't even know if I've if I've voiced this publicly yet, but what you just said, it, it's something that I've learned as a coach very much, like learned how to articulate more as a coach probably in the last six months or so. And especially as I've spoken more about resiliency, but also a lot about optimism and positivity and how that really relates to everything, but especially fitness. And I think you, the question I wanted to ask you was you said that over the last however long you've noticed that your mindset has shifted to being more positive and optimistic and, and you said it's not always but the total time spent in either a positive or negative place is it's much more positive and optimistic now I, I have to ask what did you do that allowed that to happen I guess maybe even before you answer that is how did you realize that you were actually in more of a negative mindset and then what did you do to change it well, I don't know if at the time, if I had that insight so much that I was in a negative, like I knew that I, well, actually, I, I should say that um, I knew that I always had kind of self-loathing tendencies. So, but I don't know if at that time, if I had that, well, I actually, I didn't have that insight at the time because that's why I wasn't, um, that's why I allowed stress to I was choosing different things because of that. So at the time, I don't know if I had that insight, but it's more of a, 
you know, looking back in a rear view thinking, oh, okay, so now this makes more sense. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> Ex explain it a little bit more for me. So um, when, so going through the thick of it at the time, I didn't real, I don't think I could realize that, oh, okay, so th this is why I'm acting like this. Okay, when, makes when sense. Thinking, this is why I'm choosing this is because I'm always um, talking to myself in a negative way, my inner voice, or is it like I, at that time, because I was just naturally kind of, that was my natural way of speaking to myself. So what, what was that? Yeah. So I don't know if I, you know, that makes total sense. It makes total sense. So it's more of a, you know, hindsight, 66 yep. or whatever, 2020 vision, um, looking back. And now I'm realizing because I'm in this positive mindset, I'm, I actually notice more when the negative thoughts come because they're so infrequent now. That's amazing. That, so, so have you, did you do anything that you can think of? And if not, that's totally fine. Did you do anything to make that shift? Like, is there anything that like you had to call yourself on or any, any things that you did like that you're like, okay, so I know I'm in more of a, a negative mindset or I now notice what happens when I'm in a negative mindset. Is there any practices that you consciously took to help move towards more of a positive, optimistic side? Um, yes. I think um, during that time around there, there was the, um, remember that positivity challenge, that 30 day. Yeah. In the, in the inner circle, right? Yes, yes, yes. So that um, was one of the things because it was a 30 day challenge um, to try to practice positivity. And then that, doing that over 30 days, I mean, it wasn't consistent because I was going shifting back and forth and it was very hard to be positive for the full 30 days. But that was something that allowed me to, to really notice and become aware of what my thoughts were um, and my self-talk. And in practicing that for the 30 days, and then I, I did continue on with it, um, uh, not as consistently, but still, that was something that helped. Uh, I, I love that. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because like, I, there's so much that we do in the inner circle that I, I actually, I forgot about that. But that challenge taught me a lot as a, both for, as myself as an individual, but also as, as a coach. And watching all of the comments and what people were saying in there it was very interesting for me because what I found is generally speaking, when I talk to people, if I ever ask someone, do you tend to find yourself to be more of a positive or a negative person? Most people will say that they are a positive, optimistic person. But what was really cool about looking in the comments of that challenge was how many people said, oh my God, I've always thought that I was such a positive, optimistic person, but now that I'm doing this challenge, I'm realizing how much of my thoughts are actually negative and self-hating and pessimistic. And that challenge was great on so many levels, not least of which sometimes bringing awareness, just being consciously aware of your thoughts. It sounds a little bit odd, but we have our thoughts and a lot of times we're not consciously aware of them. And we have the emotions associated with our thoughts and a lot of times we're not consciously aware of them. And having that type of challenge to essentially create more awareness around how you're speaking to yourself, what you're thinking about yourself is enough to realize, wow, like I don't want to be in this negative place. I need to actively change it. And then out of that more consciousness comes more, more of that ability to choose to be optimistic. Yes, because through um, practicing that, and it is always a practice, but through practicing that, you become aware. When you become aware, then you really do see that you have choices and that you can choose positivity, you can choose optimism, even though you go through the daily, uh, you know, the, the way life is, the ebbs and flows of life. So, yes, absolutely. The, the awareness becomes, starts with the awareness and then you can see that, oh, you've got actually some control over, over how you react to these 100%, 100%. And, and that is really, I'm so glad that, that you brought this up and we're talking about this because another important part of this, what you just brought up is the control side, right? Where it's like, you do have control. And I remember reading the comments and I, I forget who said this specifically. I remember there was one and, and maybe another that was, that was related to this style of content, a comment where someone was like, one thing I've realized through doing this challenge is that I am, I tend to be a little bit more negative and pessimistic. 
And I've realized that I'm okay with that. And I'm in a part of my life where I'm not ready to always try and be optimistic about everything. And I think that level of self-awareness is very high level where I know for me personally, I really do my best to try and spread more optimism and positivity and let people know that they have a choice in whatever they do. And they have, they have, it's not always an easy choice, but you always have a choice. And I think sometimes, especially with a lot of the stuff on Instagram where it's like always positive vibes, just always be happy. And it's like, well, like what if I'm not fucking happy? Like it's really obnoxious to see that kind of stuff. I think it's important to know you don't always have to be happy. And anyone who says you do is like that, that's ridiculous. But you do have a choice of, of whether or not you're going to choose to look at the optimistic or pessimistic side of things. And sometimes just being aware that you're not in a place in your life in which you even want to look at the optimistic side of things is will also help you just be happier because you're making that decision. I think a lot of the unhappiness and, and negativity comes from feelings, feeling like you don't have a choice. And if, if, even if you decide, you know what, I'm not going to be optimistic, at least you're making that decision. And at least you're taking control of it and how you'll feel from it. I think that's really where so much of unhappiness can come from is feeling like you, are, you don't have an option. And, and from having that option, then you can take more control of how you're feeling and what you're doing. Exactly. Um, also, the kind of the mindset of um, becoming a victim to that, to those thoughts, and it kind of goes down a, a spiral, a rabbit hole where it's hard to get out of. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, thank you for bringing this up. Is there is there anything else related to this mindset or or resiliency that that you wanted to talk about? Well, so there's one other thing about um, so. Talking about physical health-related conditions and mindset. So okay. um, one of the things is, so, okay, if, if you name anything, I have it. So, <laughs> so I'm a one-upper. So people who say, oh, they have binge eating. Yeah, I have that. <laughs> Do I have a PCOS? Yes, I got that. Uh, Hashimoto's, <laughs> I got that too. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, okay, so... I have all those things. So I have Hashimoto's, I have PCOS, I have um, binge eating disorder, which I have basically overcome that. But, and then um, what else do I have that's um, obesity really? Oh, I had hypertension, but I'm off um, high blood pressure meds now. I was pre-diabetic. I, the only thing I didn't have was high cholesterol. <laughs> Otherwise I had, oh, and pre-diabetic, yeah. So that was the only one I didn't have. So, so, so you were pre-diabetic, you have Hashimoto's, you have PCOS, you were, you had binge eating disorder, which you've been able to overcome. So for anybody who might be like, well, it's easy for you to say you're optimistic and positive, not to mention you haven't slept for the past two weeks. Cause like your husband is away and your children are in your bed. It's like, it's, I, I fucking love you more than you could ever imagine. And also I, you're just, you're, you're the prime example of being able to have every fucking difficult thing thrown your way and you can still say i'm i'm not gonna stop trying i'm still gonna do this and like you you just you you gained 25 pounds and you said you've lost it and now you're you're like it you're the prime example of no matter what happens you're not gonna quit and i think that mentality is one of the reasons you're so lovable and and every i everyone loves you parmji like everybody fucking loves you because I so much believe that there's so many reasons why, but not least of which is that mindset of never ever being defeated carries over to every aspect of your life, into every relationship, into every conversation, into everything you do. And when you allow yourself to just be defeated, that will also permeate every conversation, every relationship, every thought. And I think so much of the, the positivity and optimism and happiness that you bring to others comes from you living that, that mentality of there's always more reason to try. There's never a reason to quit. Keep going. And I just I love and respect that so much. I feel so, <laughs> I'm smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm sorry to interrupt. Keep going. So you have all of these these struggles that you've been able to work through and overcome. So so keep going. Yes. So um, 
the mindset part of that is not giving in to those things and saying, okay, so I have Hashimoto's, I have PCOS, I'll never be able to um, lose fat. I'll never be able to look the way I want to look or and feel the way I want to feel. So those type of, um, you know, those type of thoughts where people can feel like they're the exception. Well, it works for everybody else because they don't have those conditions or, you know, other people who don't have it, don't have it as hard as I do. Like that type of um, mindset. And it is a mindset because when you start getting negative like that, of course, it's going to be a lot harder because you've already, like you said, you've already kind of feel defeated in that. So it's, you know. So I have, I have to ask, um, actually, sorry, I recently did a podcast with another inner circle member, Katie on, on Hashimoto's and, and I actually had a number of people asking if I could do another one with someone else who has who Hashimoto's and, um, to get another perspective on it. And I didn't plan on this, but if you're willing, I would love to hear more about what you've gone through with, with Hashimoto's and, and PCOS as well and everything. And to really like get more insight from, from, because I, I haven't gone through it. I've worked with many people who have, but I think there is, it's one thing to hear it from someone who's worked with someone versus hear it from you directly. I would love to just hear more about what you've went through, like how you figured out you had it, what you struggled with before, how you've overcome it, how you've continued to make progress. I'd love to just hear more about that. Oh, for sure. Okay. Um, yeah. So PCOS. Oh, I was, oh my goodness. It was well, 30 something. Anyway, I was a teenager at the time. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was probably early, uh, late teens, 18 around there when I actually got diagnosed because, um, I thought irregular periods, painful periods, um, extra hair on my face and everything. I always thought, oh yeah, that's just part of life. But then when I actually um, got diagnosed, I went to an endocrinologist and I, and they tested all my hormones and everything and came back with PCOS. So then I understood um, what I had because, um, oh, and also as a kid growing up, I was uh, super skinny. And then I started having um, weight gain, but more in the abdomen area. So I have this, like, I'll have skinny legs and skinny arms, but then this abdomen area that is larger. So then um, that's how I, would, I was diagnosed when um, at that time. And the uh, treatment that was offered to me was birth control pills, which I did not want to take. So I didn't um, opt for that treatment. And so basically I just kind of suffered through it. Um, when I was married and we were trying to have children, I was having fertility issues because of the PCOS and I actually, um, did have cysts on my ovaries. And, um, then at that time, the treatment that I, um, went for was taking metformin and that, um, helped. And so I don't know, um, do you have the ability to edit out stuff? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can say some real uh, TMI right now. <laughs> well, so I actually, I've never edited a podcast. If you, I, I can if you'd like me to, but I will say like, there, I've, I see, there's, I couldn't imagine you'd say anything that, that I wouldn't want on the podcast. So like, if you're comfortable with it, by all means say it. But if you're not comfortable with it, then please don't feel like you have to share Okay, so um, I had these fertility issues. Um, I started taking metformin, and a lot of um, people who do have fertility issues, they start um, um, they start tracking their ovulation, their temperature, and all these kinds of things. And I thought, you know what, I, I can't be bothered to, because that's extra stressful to try and figure out when's ovulation, when's the best time to have sex, you know, in the month and all that kind of stuff. So I told my husband, I said, <laughs> I said, you know what we're going to do? We're, it, every day for one month, we're going to have sex every day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because <laughs> I can't be bothered to figure out these, get these <laughs> ovulation kits and stuff like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> and sperm counts and things. And so lo and behold, <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, this is our plan. This is what we're doing. He's like, okay. He's so, like, great. <laughs> <laughs> so we did that for 30 days. And um, just after, so it was probably about, uh, oh, probably about a month and a half doing that, um, I was pregnant. 
So, oh, I love it. Yeah, and so we, you know, they took the stress out of trying to plan when's the best time to do it. I know people who would take their temperature every morning and try and figure out things, but then they were all stressed out. So I'm like, you know what, let's just do it this way. So anyway, so to give context, prior to that, we had been married for seven years. We had been trying for about three years, uh, actively trying to for pregnancy. So the combination of the metformin helping and um, and the and all of that kind of uh, brought my first pregnancy on. And then um, then I had issues again after. So there's like a seven year gap between my oldest and my youngest because of that. Okay. So, yeah. So I had that. And then um, that was that. And I, I've had, uh, oh, so after I had my first son, so 16 years ago, I had um, my, uh, my body attacked my thyroid and so I got and that's Hashimoto's so the and I was hypothyroid since then so for 16 years hypothyroid PCOS since I'm 48 now so I don't know 35 years or something like that yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> and, oh and so when I was first diagnosed with Hashimoto's um it, there is definitely a period when you're first diagnosed uh where trying to um, titrate the medication, trying to figure out the regimen and all that type of stuff, um, trying to figure out what feels normal. Um, so for me, over um, a couple years, I learned that even though my TSH may be in the normal range, I only feel normal if I'm in the far low end rather than anywhere in the range. So th there's all these things that kind of like you have to figure out and then also the medication dosage and stuff like that. So I'm at the point now where I know um, when I'm starting to feel like it's, they fluctuate. So yeah, I just know when. Yeah. So, so throughout this process, I know some things that uh, a lot of people struggle with, especially with, with PCOS and, and Hashimoto's is weight loss. And mm -hmm. it's one of the most common questions that I get is like, well, how do you lose weight if you have Hashimoto's or how do you lose weight if, if you have PCOS? And, and I know everyone is, is different. I would love to hear just your take on this. Like, how have you been able to get control of it and, and been able to lose weight while doing that, while going through that? Yes. Uh, actually, interestingly, when I was diagnosed with PCOS, I was told that I need to lose weight because if I lose weight that will help lessen the symptoms of PCOS. However, PCOS will make you continue to gain weight and um, it'll, make you, it'll make it very difficult to lose weight because of the nature of PCOS. So I kind of felt like, oh, that's kind of a strange cycle. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of odd, but... Um, it's so basically <laughs> called, like, what we need you to do is we need you to uh, not be on fire. But what we're going to do is we're going to keep setting you on fire. So that's like, ideally, you're not going to be on fire, but we're going to keep pouring gasoline on you and setting you on fire. So let's just do that. Okay. <laughs> that's a little bit confusing. All right. It's circular. <laughs> uh, so, um, so, okay. So I used to do, oh my goodness. I used to do all these quick fix diets and, um, but I never knew anything about calorie, um, calorie deficit, calorie counting all back then. So, but what I did do is I did these crash diets, but, and every time I did the crash diets, they worked. So I, I lost the weight. So, but then I would gain it back, obviously, because after um, not being on the diet, I would go back to my usual ways. But interestingly, and what I've found also um, uh, through you, Jordan, and the calorie, um, calorie calculations and stuff like that, is that it is possible to lose weight. So even though you have PCOS, even though you have Hashimoto's where your thyroid is not functioning um, properly, that does affect um, your bodily functions in, in terms of weight loss as well. Even though you have these conditions, it is still possible to lose fat with calorie deficit. And that's what I've learned because even, I mean, just even as recently as when I gained that 25 pounds last um, last year I'm still I was still able to take it off this year but with calorie depth like properly with your guidelines <laughs> not with crash diets anymore but um 
and but the thing is if you believe like at that time I was like oh my god you know I, I, I have this I have that I'll never lose weight I'll oh my god it's hard for me yeah it is harder because I find that for me the calorie calculation has to be a little bit more um, a little bit less than what like I have to go lower in calories in terms of um, the calculation got it uh, for for what that's how it works for me anyway yeah that, and that makes total sense and, and individual I think what I'm so happy to hear you saying this because number one is a lot of people who struggle and like I've been getting more and more and more in the last six to eight months or so of people with Hashimoto's and PCOS who, who are there. They don't believe that they can do it. They literally do not believe that they can do it. And it's one thing for me to say, well, no, no, you can like with a calorie deficit, like I, I know you can, but it's another thing to hear it from you, Parmjeet, who you have both PCOS and Hashimoto's, and then also from the previous podcast I've done with Katie, like, it was interesting. I thought that was one of my most well-received podcasts uh, with Katie regarding Hashimoto's, because I think it showed a lot of people, like, I can actually do this. In, yes. But like anything that happens that when there's, when there's good response, the more of a response, there's also a lot of negative, and there were a fair amount of people who were like, well, that's not fair because I have Hashimoto's too and, and I can't do it. And, and I'll be the first to say everyone has a different uh, response to it and everyone, everyone's different and everyone's unique in, in very many ways. But I'm very glad to have you on and to hear this from you as well, mainly because the, the two most common factors between you and Katie and, and the, the results are even though it's harder – as long as you make sure you're in a calorie deficit, you can still do it. And this is what a lot of people, they don't like to hear it because it means that they still do have control. And you actually mentioned something about this earlier in the call about sort of the victim mindset where it's like there's a lot of comfort to be had in a victim mindset in, a, in an odd way. is a, a comfort to be had in saying, well, I don't have control. But what you're saying, and I want to hear more about from you, is that even though it's harder and you have to eat fewer calories, you do have to, the calorie deficit has to be more strict. It's still a calorie deficit and it still does work. Correct. So the calorie, it is still a calorie deficit. However, the calculations, you just kind of have to try different, you have to try the regular calculations and then um, you just kind of have to test. So that's what I've been doing. I've been testing to see where that point is. So for me, 1500 calories seems to be um, seems to be what works for me okay. but um, I'm also gonna test maybe a little bit lower like 1400 so I'm, I'm testing different um, amounts but it is definitely still a calorie deficit and I think what happens is especially when you're first diagnosed with these things is you tend to just kind of accept the sick role like you accept that okay this is the way it is my body's like this, I'll never, I don't know, you kind of go through these kind of, um, the, the, this, these thoughts that, you know, you can't do it or, or you know, can't, I'm an exception, I'm a, the exception to the rule, it's not going to work. But when you try it and, it and it does work, it's very freeing and it's, and it's all has to, it really does come back to mindset and um, believing that you can do it and trying it. I, I love that. So, I, have to, I have to ask you this. So, you said 1500 seems to be a, a good spot for you and you're going to test 1400. Talk to me about that. Why, why does 1500, like, why do you say that works? What have you noticed about that number that says like, okay, this is working. And why do you want to try 1400? Oh, okay. Um, so with 1500, um, it, I've noticed it working because, uh, the scale number, the, the trend in the data um, because I do weigh myself every day now because of your weighing thing, which <laughs> uh, <laughs> took out all the emotions to the data. So, um, so yes. So what I've noticed is that um, the trend is on a downward trend. However, I'd like to just speed it up a little. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I got it. So, so I'm, I am not going to tell you not to do that, even though I think a lot of people would, would assume that's what I would say. But what I will say is this. So it's working for sure. You know that the trend is down, but you also want to speed it up, which is it's normal. We're humans. We want some faster progress. 
what I what I would say is since you're testing and since since you are very good with data and since you you do know what works, what I might encourage you to do, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is instead of just indefinitely going to 1400 is what if you said, all right, so I'll do a month at 1400 and then after that month, I'll go back up to 1500 and just like to have like a little bit of a break. And then you can maybe decide like, Hey, so maybe I'll do a month at 1400 and a month at 1500. So, cause I generally what I found is when people make the decision to drop calories, it's oftentimes consciously or unconsciously made with the assumption that that's just indefinitely what's going to happen. And I think that can oftentimes lead to more binging and lead to more just going off track because when you do eventually have more calories at all, it feels like that failure mindset. Whereas if you set a deadline, like, you know, 30 days at 1400, then I'll go back up to 1500. It actually tends to promote a little more consistency with that 1400 because you can sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel you can use that time to track your progress and then you have the ability to go up guilt-free at the end because that was already the plan ahead of time. What, what do you think about that? Oh my God, that sounds awesome. What a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> I love that. I'm, yes, I'm going to implement this. <laughs> I, I lo- I'm, I'm glad because, and as you know, even when you're eating 1500, you're still in a deficit. Even so, when you do go back up to 1500, it will still be quote unquote working. But it is this gives you an opportunity to test the lower calories without feeling like going back up would ruin your progress because you know. Yes, that's a great idea. I can do that. I've got time. <laughs> You've got so much time. I love that. That's amazing. Okay, perfect. So that I love that. So you'll do that. And are you actually are you going to do the the calorie cycling for fat loss challenge as well? You know what? I I I'm, I downloaded it and I was reading through it and I'm very excited. It sounds very very exciting. Um, I think I'll do it. <laughs> even if, even if, I don't know if, if you read the whole manual or not, but even if, for example, you prefer to have the same calories every day and you don't actually want to calorie cycle, one of the things I said was you don't need to have higher and lower calories. It's not necessarily about the quote unquote magic of calorie cycling as much as it is just making sure your calories are in check. And I found for many people, cycling them helps them be more consistent. But you can do the challenge and just keep, you can literally do it as the month at just straight calories across at 1400, just to see how your progress goes. You're more than welcome to do that. Oh, that's perfect. That would be awesome. So actually, you know what? That's actually interesting. I would love to ask you about that. Do you prefer having the same calories every day or do you like having higher some days and lower others? You know what? For me, I prefer the same every day. And the reason for that is the planning part. I find that, and maybe this goes back to self-efficacy or something, I don't know, but um, I find that if I have this one number in my head, I can plan for the week and it's the same every day and my meals don't, um, I've actually decreased the variety in my meals so that it's a lot easier. (laughs) But if I, like for example, if I were to um, do the the high days and the low days, um, I think for me, it'll be a little bit more, um, just for me, because then I have to think about it a bit more. Yeah. Uh, that makes so much sense. I can't even articulate how sensical and logical that it. it's perfect. And it, it goes to show you, there is no one size fits all in terms of some people like to do intermittent fasting. Other people like to eat six meals a day. Some people like to have high days and low days. Some people like to have every day be the same calories, but so it's not about doing finding like the one perfect method it's about finding whatever allows you to be most consistent within your individual calorie range and like that is the most important and i think you've done a great job of figuring out not only what works for you but equally important and this plays into self-efficacy why it works for you and and it's funny you 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 say things just so offhandedly like so nonchalantly but the things that you say are are very, very, very intelligent and high level, high level thinking from a, a high level flexible dieter perspective, where it's just like something as simple as you know I've reduced the variety in my diet because it makes me easy. It makes it easier to hit to hit my calories. It's like if you look at the research around the people who are most successful with their diet and with maintaining a healthy body weight, without question. Like without question, the people who tend to eat more of the sim of the same foods on a day to day basis are more successful because they know on a general basis how much they're eating 
because they tend to eat the same thing on a day-to-day basis. And it doesn't mean every single meal has to be the exact same, but if 80% of your meals are similar, then you have a 20% leeway where then you have some more wiggle room with other foods that you might not normally have. But what you've just clearly outlined is why planning is so valuable and why it's so beneficial and why planning ahead of time makes it so much easier to to make progress and to achieve your goals. And actually, if, if you're, I don't know if you've read the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, it's, it's a really amazing book. And one of the things that he talks about is a lot of people, they, they struggle with, they say they struggle with willpower and they struggle with motivation. They struggle with staying consistent. And one of the things that he talks about in the book is it's not that some people have more or less willpower or more or less motivation. Rather, the people who appear as though they have more willpower or more motivation, they don't put themselves in situations in which they need to use their willpower and motivation as often, which what you just outlined is perfect where you've planned ahead of time. You know how many calories you're going to eat. You know that you'd prefer to have the same calories on a day-to-day basis rather than the higher low. And this is all done through testing and trial and error. But what you've done is created a lifestyle in which you need to use willpower motivation less because you've planned ahead of time so well. Yes. And and the uh, the note, Jordan, is that um, when did I join the inner circle? Two years ago? Um, I can't believe it's already been two years. But the person I am today is very different than the person I was when I started. And exactly how you mentioned about the testing, the trial and error, like that takes time to learn these things. And so I've learned them through, yeah, you've changed my life, Jordan. (laughs) Well, I mean, as as much as, you know, as much as I would love to take credit for that, there, I, I didn't, you did. And and it was because you were willing to take the time and to trial and error and to do it. And I mean, it's like one of the things that I always look for in a coach is not the coaches who always show the people who who did amazing with their program, but also talking about the people who might not have done well in their program. You know, I think it, it most coach you'll never see a coach post about their failures with clients or with with people that didn't do well. And I think it's something that actually needs to be discussed more because it, it creates a greater picture of reality. And I mean, there are people who join the inner circle and they haven't, they haven't done as well as you have. I mean, you are, you're, what you've accomplished is nothing short of, of legitimate magic. Like just how hard you work and how, how, how dedicated you've been and how you've gone through periods of ups and downs and you've never let that prevent you from continuing to move forward. And there are some people who join the inner circle and they haven't seen great results. And I guarantee just through talking with them, a lot of them, they say it's because they didn't really dedicate themselves to it. And I think one of the most important things to remember is not everybody is at a time or a place in their life in which they're ready to make a change. But what you must, 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 must never forget, Parmji, and never, never fail to give yourself credit where it's due because the only reason you've been able to make so much progress and do so well is because of your hard work and your effort and your persistence and your resiliency and your willingness to change. And like, I think that's what makes you one of the many things that makes you so incredible. And one of the many reasons so many people love you with all of their heart is because you not only make the changes yourself for yourself to improve yourself, but also you show other people they can do it too. And you inspire other people to do the same. And I think you are, are truly one of a kind. I'm being brought to tears here, Jordan. <laughs> that's uh, wow. That's really, that's really deep. Thank you. Oh my god. I mean it. Every word. And by the way, did you sign up for the retreat, the second retreat? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right away. <laughs> okay. Good. All right. Because there's literally, as of today, there's only four spots left. So I want to make sure that you're you're all signed up. Oh yeah. The day it was known, so that was I was in. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't miss it for the world. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So is there anything else either related to resiliency or mindset or Hashimoto's or anything else that you would like to discuss or anything, anything outside of that, that maybe I can answer for you. We could talk about. I'm trying to think, I, you know, the funny thing is I felt like I had so much to say. And now, uh, now that we're on, I feel like I can't even remember. So I don't know. Um, I think those are the main things where um, that was actually the the main thing just to um, talk about how, because you had talked about personal resiliency as well at the at the at the retreat, and that really resonated with me because um, you're right. It removing these kinds of barriers, like you said about um, eating the same 
type of foods 80% of the time is kind of removing barriers. Um, I, before, I mean, I, I used to cook up a storm and all these various things and different things. And so I don't do that as much anymore. My family misses that, but, <laughs> but like there's those kinds of things that you like, just as, you know, I'm just repeating what you're saying. No, no, please. I like. I, I think repetition is important. How many times have I said calorie deficit, but people still need to hear it? Like, it's like repetition is very important. <laughs> That's exactly it, and and really, it is that because I have heard of people who they they feel like they're the ex the exception to the rule that it can never happen for them because they have this disease, this disease, or or whatever it may be, and 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 things like binge eating disorder, they you can overcome them, and you can lose fat. But calorie deficit is king. It really is. Yeah. And and the mindset that the mental progress must um, must go along with it because um, that otherwise, like you said, I think um, in your video, um, mental physical progress without mental progress. I'm quoting you now um, is not sustainable. That's exactly exactly right. It's. Any physical progress you make without the sufficient mental progress along with it will inevitably be short term because I, I, I think that the, the practical explanation for this is physical progress made without sufficient mental progress is usually physical progress made by doing something short term. The, the physical progress tends to be made from things like the quick fixes and crash diets and the detoxes and the cleanses or the outrageously strict re restriction models, whereas physical progress made with sufficient mental progress is physical progress made through slow, sustainable, steady changes through something like a sustainable calorie deficit. And, and that's why they go hand in hand. Um, I, I have to ask, and, and I, I would love to hear more on this if, if you're able to or willing, um, you spoke about how you were able to overcome your binge eating disorder. Can, can you talk about that a little bit? Like, like what helped you do that? Oh, 100%, uh, Jordan, your very first video that you posted on YouTube about binge eating, that was, um, that was definitely, that, um, watching that video, and I watched it several times, um, that, that was the first time I had ever heard anyone speak about binge eating disorder with the compassion and the, the, um, I don't know, there was just so much compassion in your, in your voice, in your eyes in that video, and the understanding that you had of it was, um, that started, that started my um, journey towards that. Also, um, therapy helped because I was able to understand why I was choosing food, why, why food was my drug of choice, and where these um, self-abuse, like this self-abusive behavior was was rooted in so the root cause of these things so um all of that kind of started everything going and then um it was it was very freeing to know that you know what th this can be changed it's not like i have to eat like this forever so that was kind of how it started yeah well i mean not kind of that is how it started that very first video of yours that makes me so happy i, I ha and i'm just like i love hearing that it makes me really 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 happy and is there anything in that video any any of the specific things that I said, whether it was like you can't fuck up or the bright lines, or is there any things in that video that really like hit home as something either you still use today or something that really helped initiate that change? When you said you can't fuck up, when you said that um, it's abnormal, but more, it's, you said something like binging. It's common, but not normal. It's, sorry? It's not normal. It, it's common, but not normal. Yes, yes. When you said it's common, but it's not normal, but it doesn't mean that there's no hope. Something like that. It, um, I'm paraphrasing, but especially when he said you can't fuck up. I'm like, you know what? Wow. Like, and then um, just thinking about and then getting right back on track um, just and dealing with the emotions because I'm emotional binge. I was an emotional binge eater and I was choosing food to cope with um, and numb the feelings that I was having at the time. And, and what I've learned now is just to, to sit with those feelings and be uncomfortable and just, um, just feel them rather than acting on them because food is not a comfort at all, even though it may feel like it at the time. There's nothing enjoyable about consuming food compulsively. There's nothing enjoyable about having your stomach pressing on your diaphragm so you can't breathe. And there's nothing but um, 
feelings of guilt associated with practicing that because it's always alone um, and you can't um, practice that in front of people because it's just not part of it. So yeah, so that, that um, so those things you mentioned in there and just the way, like, I think that was one of the very first videos that I saw of you and I was just taken in right away. Your, your, your eyes say, your eyes speak so, um, of such genuine caring. Well, thank you, Parmji. I, I, I'm so beyond happy and ecstatic to hear that. And, uh, I mean, I knew getting on the phone again with you was going to be great, but you continually surprised me and I'm just, I'm very blessed to have you in my life. And I'm, I think that this is, I, I know this is going to help thousands of people, like legitimately thousands and thousands of people are going to listen to this and have a much better idea of how they can improve and things they can do to achieve their goals. And, uh, I'm very, very, very grateful that you were willing to come on and speak with me again. Thank you, Parmjeet. Well, thank you so much, Jordan. Um, is, is there anything that you want to end with? Any final note, or is that it? Or is that are we good to go? I think that sounds great. Well, I love you very much. I'm incredibly grateful for you. And uh, seriously, Parmji, thank you so much. I love you, Jordan. <laughs> I love you. Please get some sleep, all right? Or I'm going to come there and I'm going to hang out with your kids so that you can get some sleep. Oh, I can't wait for you to come over this week. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And that wraps it up for this episode of the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Parmjeet, thank you so much for coming on and being so open and, and having this discussion with me. Now, if you enjoyed the episode, please do me a huge favor and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. I know I say it a lot, but it helps immensely. So to everyone who's done that already, thank you so much. And that's pretty much it. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you soon.